Hello and welcome to the award-winning Canine Hoopers World podcast. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to the brand new season four of Canine Hoopers World, the podcast. Today I am technically over in Australia. Um, I'm joined by fellow Canine Hoopers World instructor Michelle and we are going to be talking about all sorts of things in today's episode but we have a very exciting announcement at the end and I'm literally trying not to squeal down the microphone because I'm aware that everyone's eardrums will not appreciate it. So Michelle, hello my darling, how are you? Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good, I'm good. I have had laryngitis, so my voice is a little bit on the croaky side, um, but yep. hopefully it will hold out for the pod. So, yeah. Fantastic. All righty. So, yes. Um, so, it's nice weather here in Australia. Is it cold over there? Is it cold? Mate, it's zero degrees right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we woke up this morning and it was like, I asked them, um, I'm not going to say her name because I'm going to set everyone's off if I if I say the name of the person in the box that you have to ask the stuff. And she was like, <laughs> today is zero degrees, highs of eight. I was like, are you having a laugh? Like, why is it cold today? And after we've recorded, I'm going outside teaching. So, well, yes. No, you're not gonna something tell me I have like to do with. Or something, aren't you? Uh, yeah, it was, it was above 30 today. I'm not sure how high above, but yeah. Yeah, it's not quite bad. a nice day. Yeah, it's not bad. So yeah, I forget because it's upside down world literally. So you are in summer at the moment, and we are in the winter. So you're yeah. all having lovely suntans, and we're all freezing. Yes, indeed. So Michelle, for people that don't know you, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, okay. I am a very energetic, busy lady, and I love being a mum to three kids and two dogs. I have an amazing husband who supports me in doing the work I love, which is working as a dog trainer. So, um, yeah, very lucky, lucky lady. Um, I run my own dog training business. So my dog training business is Rolly Dogs. And I specialize in both canine hoopers and in teaching kids and canines classes. And my kids and canines classes are generally targeted at children who might be on the neurodiverse end of the scale Mm -hmm. um, because I find I connect quite well with them and I can provide a space that's really supportive that they might not be getting elsewhere. That's really cool because I think the world's become a bit more aware of kind of mental health and stuff like that. But when it comes to neurodiversity, my, my favorite little label for it is neurospicy. Because I think that's a good way of explaining it because I'm pretty sure that I'm also neurospicy at some point. It's just my, I've never had a full diagnosis. I probably should get one of those. Um, Yeah, as as, I, as my it. brain wanders off with the fairies and disappears for five minutes and then comes back in, and regular listeners to the podcast will probably be like, "Yeah, none of us will be shocked by this, Carrie." No, that's it. And it's interesting because being neurospicy, as you like it, can mean that you have different abilities that other people don't actually have. So, mm-hmm. being able to sometimes be a better dog trainer because of being able to notice things that other people don't see 
being able to modify things on the spot and um, even just intuitively connecting with your dog because let's face it, the way we train our dog is often exactly how my brain needs to be trained and um, often the same for, for a lot of my clients. Yeah, and I think as well, because it's very easy to kind of have a lesson plan and be like, right, we're going to do this exercise. But that exercise could have so many different ways of being taught and also being handled depending on the team in front of you. So I really like that kind of adapting the exercises to the, the child and dog that are working together. That's right. That's right. And and no pair is the same. So you might have two dogs that like to learn the same way, but their handlers need different ways of, of learning a different skill. And so we need to be on the ball and able to know how to first identify that they need that extra help or that that change in style so that they can succeed. Because what we don't want is people coming to classes and feeling like the class dunce. Yeah. We want them to come in and feel like they've come in, they've learned something, they're succeeding, they're awesome. And it doesn't matter how much they succeed or how far they get with a trick, it's about that engagement with their dog and that feeling of, of being part of a community where, where they're actually accepted for who they are instead of being told they have to fit into this, this round hole that they just don't fit into. Yeah, I think this is the thing though as well, isn't it? Because obviously we have society that tells us we should act and behave and do in certain ways, which a lot of it is bullshit. Um, And why should we? As long as you're being kind and not hurting anyone, like, it doesn't matter if you're either really loud or the other end is really quiet, you know? I think that we kind of get pictures in our head of how things should look and being able to adapt that picture to suit more people is so, so important, isn't it? That's right. That's right. And, and sometimes you'll also find some people, a class environment isn't suitable for them. Um, Just like we have the dogs that a class environment is not suitable for all of them. So sometimes we will take people and we'll go, okay, class environment's not working. That's okay. I've got a spare instructor today they're going to take that person and work one-on-one so that they can get the skills they need to join back in with that group environment. And so we can do that for the people. We can do that for the dogs. And when we do that, just think how much better their life is because they've actually, you know, they've got that skill they can join back in. They've not just been told, oh, no, you can't do this. You've failed copy school or, you know, go and go and find a, a one-on-one class because you can't join group classes again so so where possible we're always trying to be really inclusive yeah Mm. I think it's it's hard sometimes isn't it because as you say it's not it's not just the dog it can be the handler and there can be situations that are just overwhelming for for the human as well and we've got to remember that dog and human connection you know i I know myself with Dodge, if I'm anxious, he's more protective of me and is more likely to gob off at something or have a big emotion about it because he's like, oh, mommy's stressed, I have to protect her. And I'm like, exactly, don't. (laughs) Yeah. And look, one of my dogs is like that. She, um, her name's Nami. I call her Tsunami as her, you know, kind of naughty name. But it's more, if I'm overwhelmed, she knows it and she does zoomies. (laughs) So I need to know that, 
I have to keep my own emotions in check or put in good management for her so that I have a great outcome. And knowing that and having had struggles with her when I first got her as a rescue has made me such a better trainer because now I can understand the the struggles that my owner's going through and actually help them with those struggles. Yeah. Yeah. I love that that you're feeling a bit stressed and anxious and she's like, okay, I'm just going to Zoom. Like, yeah, that's it. It's possibly yeah, not the time. most productive thing for her to be doing with the helpfulness. It is not, but I think it, um, <laughs> the place we got her from, I can see why she does Zoomies. Um, I think her family that she had before us loved her very, very much, but hadn't had the um, direction in training that they might have needed okay. to, uh, to meet what number eight. She's a Beagle Cross Cavalier. She's a beautiful dog. Looks a bit like a puppy. Um, so I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, she's a what with a what? <laughs> yeah, a Beagle with a Cavalier. So a cuddly scent hound. <laughs> uh, I can see that being quite a cute pet mix. Oh, absolutely beautiful. I, I am biased. But, um, yeah, the Cavalier makes them look a little bit more like a puppy, but their noses aren't quite so small as, as a normal calf. Um, and I'm assuming that the brain fits in her head as well, which is always a good thing. <laughs> yes. No um, disrespect for the Cavaliers, but it's a fact. <laughs> so she, yeah, she looks like a short-haired beagle, but a puppy version. Mm. Yeah, same sort of size as a beagle, a little bit skinnier, but that could just be that I keep her weight very closely monitored. No, no disrespect to the beagles, but they are one of the breeds that tend to be on the tubbier side when you see them in the wild. <laughs> Well, yes, they these two keep me on my toes. They, um, if they like can, Fiona, they like will Fiona, I'm sorry if Vicky. Fiona is listening, but it's always chocolate labs and beagles that are fat. Sorry, Fiona, hey. not saying that your dogs are fat. <laughs> no, 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 that's um, no, they're on a very strict diet, but <laughs> well, they are, they are, they are some of the that. dogs that you see like on the chunkier sides. Yeah, you do. Bull yeah. terriers are the other ones. Bull terriers generally come in like sausage shaped. Like, <laughs> oh. can we have a bit of can we have a bit of a waste here? And obviously, being at being at Crufts, there were lots of the show dogs were pet yes. weight. Oh wow, and hefty. That's, that's really interesting, isn't it? That's yeah. I I'm like, that. I thought the show dogs were meant to be like muscular and slinky. And it's like, oh no, they chunky. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow. Mental. Oh, right? I need to. Need to go have another look at that. That's yeah, so off, very interesting. Sorry, we went off on a branch. Let's go back to the children okay. and the teaching of the children. So, what yeah. classes do you put on for the kids? So, I I have a class that I call Kids and Canines, and I have an awesome trainer named Ben who works with me, who um is really good with the kids as well. And between us, we generally steer the kids towards canine hoopers, but if we get a Labrador that would much rather do sniffing. We will use sniffing work in class. We will teach tricks in class. Mm -hmm. We will do life skills. Whatever it is that that kid and that dog need to make their life a lot more enjoyable. Um, And we also mix things together. Like we might do canine hoopers where we've got a dog that really likes their food and likes sniffing. So they might be doing a barrel and then a hoop and then a tunnel and then getting sent to a sniff station. And that's their award and they love it. And then we can build up to really big courses because that dog's getting their needs met. The kid's also getting to have their run around if that's what they enjoy. 
and we've got that really nice dynamic happening. If we have a child that really would prefer not to run, we might do tricks and then the dogs are getting nice fast rewards. So really good for dogs like my Aki who quite enjoys his, his fast rewards. Um, and the kids can choose the tricks that they enjoy. And if they're really good, then they can go for their tricks titles. So we often do some of the tricks titles that you can do um, online. So, oh, yeah. that's cool. So, so they can like get a little trick certificate if they want to work towards that's that. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, which tricks title stuff do you do with them? So um, I don't know if you've heard of Do More With Your Dog. Yep, yep. Dodge so is I, a master trick dog. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Yeah, I think we we did the one that was below, like, the big one with the big rosette. Uh, yes, we, yes. like, worked our way up. Um, that was a um, COVID lockdown grounded by the government yes. activity. I just did yes. loads of tricks. And actually, I think um, I love tricks anyway. That's where I started in the training world was, like, yes. that passion for tricks. But... I mean, it's all a trick at the end of the day, right? It is. It is. And, I mean, there's tricks in there that are pretty much canine hoopers. So for our kids, if we put down a trick of barrel racing, well, they have those foundations from doing canine hoopers. Yeah. Um, and it just depends whether we teach it to them as a trick or as canine hoopers. It's whichever one they prefer. And um, yeah. when when I was working through them with mine, there was one that I yeah. think was like you could do like a sequence of obstacles. And I was like, can yeah. I do a sequence of hoop obstacles? And they were like, yeah, of course you can. So yeah, for sure. that worked really well. So rather than doing like yeah. agility, it was we mm -hmm. did the hoopers instead, which I really enjoyed. I think as well with tricks, it kind of is something that the kids can kind of show their friends, show their family. That's They're like, right. oh, I've taught my dog like this cool thing we did today. And sometimes it can be people see it as something that's so simple and they just don't get how much kind of time and effort that's right into into that training that's right <laughs> it's it, and once you've broken a trick down I mean how many steps some tricks you, you might be taking you know 10 steps to get to the one point where you meet that criteria mm -hmm. that's um makes it really attainable for the kids because we can break it down into step by step and they know where they're going at the end um but it also some of the tricks are really cool like teaching your dog to turn on a light it's like well okay next time you go camping don't get out of your sleeping bag in the cold get your dog to turn the light on and they're like oh yes that's that's right on that's so, a really so, good idea actually is <laughs> oh man i'm like I'm going to have to change my whole camping setup so Dodge can do the lights instead of me. I know that he'd be like fast asleep in his crate and be like, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm asleep over here. Like, you go and do that. That's down for me. Um, so what are your kind of favourite tricks when you're teaching the kids stuff? Yeah, okay. So it's interesting you ask that because one of my favourite tricks is actually because Nummy was such a nutcase when I got her. And she used to run off at agility. There'd be 80 people there and she would do zoomies and I would be extremely embarrassed to have my dog doing zoomies. And I figured out that her recall, the word come to her was a poisoned cue. And as soon as I figured that out, we had heaps more success because I would either pull her back to her bed, which is actually a giant snuffle mat that I made. And being part beagle, that is heaven to nummy. Yep. Or 
I would call her back to middle, which is middle peekaboo, mm -hmm. you know, when their head pops up between your legs. Yep. Now, if I call either of those cues, Nummy's recall is amazing. If I call come, she turns around and gives me the middle finger and goes for a wonder. So, yeah. My she favorite that trick thing to be, where she just goes, no. That's it. That's it. She's like, no, no, it's not worth my time. Uh, yeah, so middle is probably my favorite trick mm -hmm. um, just because I know she loves it. And also, if there's thunderstorms, she reacts a little bit to them. I will often know that it's coming because she will end up sitting in middle between my legs. <laughs> and if I check my weather app, lo and behold, there's a storm on the way. So Amazing. Yeah. I mean, Dodge um, does it as a, you know you're in Dodge's circle if he yes. comes and does a middle on you. If yeah, he does yeah. middle, he's like, you are in the circle, you are a friend, right. we are cool, we are good. But obviously for me as well, I use that as my start line setup. Yes, same. For agility, that works for Nummy. For hoopers, that works for Nummy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Evan for nose work, that works for Nummy. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is as well, with doing the middle, you can get the dog exactly where you need them to be without having That's to right. manhandle them or manipulate them in any way. I exactly. mean, dogs can do a nose target as well, but I just find... The middle is just a neater way of yeah. setting them up in the position you need. That's right. And easy to get to their collar. So if I need to clip the collar on or clip the lead on or take the collar off, that's an easy, easy thing for me to do. And also easy to drop treats because, well, Nummy lives for treats. So. But it also transfers for us as well over to some of the vet behaviour stuff. So like when we're sure. in the vet office, if Dodge needs... um we actually used it a few weeks ago for a blood draw. So yes. he gets popped in the middle, um, yep. holds his chin up, and then the vet quickly takes blood draw out of jugular, and then Dodge gets lots of treats, and yes. the world is good. Like, it's yeah. So he doesn't have to be kind of restrained and manhandled because I know literally I'm there. I can just put a tiny bit of pressure with my legs just to hold him there, and he's like, oh, that's cool, whatever. That's right. It's a nice, safe place exactly yeah. that I mean the only time it's slightly problematic is when he does it with my poor mum because she's like five foot one and he moves <laughs> yes I have had to be careful with uh making the cue very clear yes Nami doesn't just arrive and at random times <laughs> I mean that's the thing as well with um with doing it with kids isn't it is the height of dog to the child because I remember yeah. having a really sweet kid in class and he had a really tall Labrador and there yep. were a few times it nearly turned into a pony ride. <laughs> it's yeah interesting you should say that I remember a, a young girl that I had had a Ridgeback and she was only about eight uh, but she was a gymnast so she grabbed my stools and decided she was going to stand with one foot on each stool and taught her dog to do middle. Uh, yeah very very interesting. Fair play yeah. to her. That's, I mean, it's it's safer than putting platform shoes on her. So, yeah. That's it. Yep. And and I've had a couple of kids that have decided that barrels are for standing in and directing your dog around, which actually turned out to be a really good way of teaching their particular dog how to go around barrels. So it was a, a interesting um, take on how to modify the, the exercises, uh, but had a great outcome. But, yeah. I mean... I've I've just had a really wicked idea for a specials class for hoopers. <laughs> the handler has to stay in a barrel whilst handling their dog. I mm. I feel like that should be tried. <laughs> 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 we've got um 
yeah, it will be just after the episode comes out. So the Easter um, Easter show that I'm going to be at this year. Um, yeah. I know there's a specials class and reading the schedule. Um, one of the class, it did say that Easter bunny ears were mandatory. And I was like, oh, I love it. Yes. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> it's bad, yes. isn't it? I'm super excited that I get to wear bunny ears. <laughs> I'm not sure about putting a tail on because I've got an image of Dodge just trying to grab the tail like at the end of his yeah. run and thinking that's his treasure. Like, yeah, what a great opportunity for to the ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. I I really like the themes because they um they change it up a bit for the dogs and the dogs have to be able to adapt a little bit and mm-hmm. and be okay with novelty, which is such a cool life skill. You you. you doing your sport with them but you're setting them up so well for outside of the sport just yeah, yeah. really awesome i've seen um around halloween people using pumpkins instead of barrels which i completely appreciated i was like yeah yes let's do all of that i'm putting like witches hats on top of the barrels is another one i've seen which is really cool okay nice. um yeah there's so many things you can do with kind of like themed classes and theme courses and stuff it just kind of makes it a bit more fun doesn't it it does it does I feel it's like I need to add some more themes now <laughs> I, I love yeah. that it's like right let's make notes so how, honestly yeah. if you have any ideas for Halloween stuff like I basically live in Halloween land like I don't know if you yeah. remember the film Nightmare Before Christmas the where there were like all the different lands I pretty much live in Halloween land that's like where <laughs> where we are that's that's our world um so going back to, again to the kids yes do you what sort of age do you like start teaching them? Because there's always that thing, isn't it? If you want to start them young, but you don't want to start them too young and overload right. their brains. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good question. So I generally start the kids from eight years of age. If they're younger and they want to try it out, then I will take them with their parent mm-hmm. and see whether or not they're actually capable. And if not, what we can do is set them up in adults class with their parent, but give the kids specific tasks. Yeah. And then the next term, they will probably be ready to start in the kids and canines class. So eight-year-olds, they've generally got enough of a ability to be that independent from the parents, mm-hmm. um, but the parents still are there. So we might have a child that comes in and they might spend five minutes doing a trick and then you see them where they're starting to get a bit distracted okay, is it time for a brain break? And we call them brain breaks. And sometimes I won't ask them if they need a brain break. Sometimes I'll ask if their dog needs a brain break. And that makes it a little bit more um, nice for the kids, a little, yeah. little bit more inclusive. And so if they need a brain break, either I will take the dog or usually I'll ask the parent to take the dog for a minute so the kid can have a, have a minute to cool down. Or we might take a snuffle mat over and say, all right, how about you get your dog to have a sniff station for a minute mm-hmm. so that, and the parent can hold the dog, kid can have a bit of a bit of a moment and then they can come back and do a different activity. And that tends to keep them going quite well. The eight-year-olds, we tend to only have 30-minute classes. Otherwise, it's just too much for them. Ooh, that's and you think, interesting. Yeah, you think with the dogs, you know, your younger dogs can't do as long a class as the older dogs. It's very much the same with the kids. Yeah. The younger kids will often not be able to do as long a course uh, or a long as long a class. The older kids, I will generally allow to go to 50 minutes and mm-hmm. then we call it because I don't want the kids or the dogs getting bored. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah yeah and I think it's more like the kids getting maybe not so much bored but almost actually overwhelmed but they don't realize yeah. it's overwhelmed and they're like oh my That's god right. but even with like teaching one-to-ones now like generally mm-hmm. at my field one-to-ones are one at like they're 30 minutes because yeah. an hour per dog it's a lot it is a lot you know and I mean some of my clients are other instructors so there'll either be multiple dogs within that hour or we can kind of give the dog a break and geek out a bit and look at lines and stuff like that so we fill the time productively but without the dog working suddenly for now but I guess just I don't know in training you've kind of always sort of oh classes are like an hour or 50 minutes or whatever but it makes sense to do 30 minute classes yeah yeah so the adults will usually go for 50 minutes the kids 30 minutes is generally enough for them we used to try for an hour and it just didn't make it to be an enjoyable activity for them where the 30 Mm. minutes is enough that they come in they achieve some things and then they head off again that doesn't mean that they won't go and would do more stuff at home but they get that break in between yeah and I mean, you've got the kids that come down that have got ADHD might actually hyper-focus on dog training. And so they can go home, they can research, come down, do practical with us, and then go home and follow up and they might make a movie about what they've done. So there's lots of opportunity for them, but creating those breaks keeps the interest going. Yeah, I'm actually thinking back to when I used to teach horse riding the beginner yeah. like the kids beginner classes were always 30 minute classes and then yeah. once they were more advanced it was 45 minutes and that was yeah. plenty like that was enough right. I find it weird that like the dog world just kind of like got this hour and it was yeah. like classes are an hour like why why do classes yeah. have to be an hour but then I guess That's sport it. classes you know if you do like aerobics or anything like that they're always like an hour class and you're like you mean I have to do exercise for like a whole hour I reckon if they did exercise classes for like 30 minutes where you had like five minute warm up, 20 minutes exercise, five minute cool down. People need to do this. Anyone that's listening that has friends that do like, I don't know, Zumba or Boogie Bounce or aerobics or whatever the new thing is you do now, spin or something. I feel that 30 minutes is a good length class. Like, because an hour just is a lot. It is. And I wonder if it's because if you do an hour class, people come down and they feel like they're getting a lot of value for that. But are you getting value if your dog is starting to disengage? Mm-hmm. And it's something you've, you've got to actually think about. And I um, I know the other day, it's really hot here at the moment, I had a class and one of the dogs was starting to suffer a bit in the heat. The owner made that decision to take their dog home and so I sent them a message and I said, look, I really liked your decision to take your dog home. And we actually invited them back for an extra class without any extra charge because they'd made this decision that was in the best interest of their dog, even though it wasn't going to be great for them. And I happened to have that free lesson that I was able to offer, which I don't always have. Yeah. But, you know, if we can give positive reinforcement. I was going to say, you're reinforcing those choices. choices. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And also, that. what you know, what a great relationship to build with that client then because they go, oh, wow, I actually got more than what I paid for. You know, it's it's a nice thing to, you know, a nice relationship building sort of yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really, and, and I, I think 
So when you do the kids' classes, how many kids do you have like at a time if it's a group class? Yeah, good question. So I generally will only take up to four children in a class. And it does depend on the individual needs of those children and their dogs. So if I've got a child with a reactive dog, that's not necessarily a great fit to go in a class with other children who are new to the sport. Um, <laughs> and if there is a reactive dog, the parent needs to be right next to them um, yeah. and on the ball. If I've got kids, and generally I aim for kids who've got dogs that are generally well-behaved and friendly, some of those children I might have um, where they need one-on-one -on -one support. So I might have four in the class, but I may actually have a second instructor taking one of those children mm -hmm. on their own yep. so that they can get the skills they need to come back to the class as one of the, the group members in the future. Yeah. So I find four provides a lot of distraction and being that they haven't had a lot of experience of dealing with all those distractions yet, and they, so they haven't got their own management strategies for tends to be the limit of what we can um, provide a great experience for. I don't want to provide a good experience. I want to provide a great experience. But also yeah. it's not just distraction for the dogs, is it? It's distraction for the kids. Yeah, for the kids, yeah. Because the dogs are a lead. So they're already somewhat managed. Um, we do have to be aware that the kids could drop the lead. Um, hence the parents have to be there. Um, but, you know, a lot of these kids are actually very skilled and sometimes more skilled than the adults because they don't have a different learning background. They're coming with a fresh slate and often, you know, that's, that's a really good opportunity for them. They come in, there's four of them. So they're only seeing three other people trying the same thing. They can learn from what each other's doing. Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily coming in with the, the different habits to what I might like them to have. Yeah. I yeah. think as well, though, um, it can be hard when it's like bigger classes as an yeah. instructor because you need to give them so much attention. Like it makes sense that four, four is kind of the magic number, if you like, for, right. that, for that setup because – yeah, it's it can be tricky, can't it, to be teaching multiple people. I mean, honestly, now when because I've got so used to teaching one to one, I go back to like group stuff, and I'm like, oh god, brain, hang on, you need to be able to That's look right. at eight different dogs right now, and I'm like, and it's and it's that positioning yourself in the right this? spot, yeah, right? yeah, like. Okay, um, so let's remind my brain how we do this thing because it's been a while. And my That's brain's right. like, you want me to focus on more than one thing now? Are you having a laugh? Like, what is wrong with yeah. you, woman? This is stupid. That's also, it. I think um, one of the questions I was going to ask you, but you've kind of answered it, was do the kids all work on the same trick and the same behavior or do each team have their own little thing they're doing? How do you kind of, or does yeah. it depend on the group? It, it depends on the group. Every time depends on the group. I have a lesson plan. I don't think I have followed that lesson plan to the letter in the last three years. <laughs> I have it there, so I know what I've got planned, but I will modify that lesson every single time to fit the people that are in the class. Mm -hmm. And they still get to the point that they need to get to. They just do it in the way that suits them best. Yeah. 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 I think I'm lucky I came at dog training. Dog training was my hobby. 
and I was a languages teacher. And then it changed and my hobby became my job. So I think um, that's allowed me to have a lot of classroom management experience and a lot of connecting experience. Having that teaching background is actually invaluable, right? It, It is. It's Well, it taught me to project my voice, taught me how to position myself where I'm not distracting the dog, but I might be assisting the child to stay focused. Um, yeah, so many different strategies that you wouldn't necessarily have if you've just learnt how to train a dog. So I've learnt the how to train the people and how to train the dog. Yeah. And that's the thing is that I think for new trainers coming through, like sometimes people don't always see the benefit of doing like practical instructor courses. They like yeah. they want to know like all the all the theory and all the kind of the science and geek out, but actually. Yeah teaching classes is hard it is and it's a separate skill to teaching dog training and teaching individuals and classes are two very different skills yeah I I would have to agree yeah I I did a workshop the other week and the (laughs) the organizer um I'm gonna give a shout out to Sam um, because it was it was wicked workshops I did, but Sam got her brain muddled of what which of her dogs were meant to be in which group. Oh yes, and she ended up with her best competition dog in the baby beginner group. <laughs> oh well, yes, you'd need to be on the ball for that one. Uh huh. So That's I literally it. had like when I say a baby puppy, it was like eight months old, but I had everything yes. from like an eight month old that had never seen a hoop before to a grade three dog that I compete against regularly. And I was like, you are messing with my brain here. And it took me back to, I did a post in the instructors group about it. Um, When I did my IMDT back in the 1800s, (laughs) back back when we did these things, um, I remember our four day practical course, um, we had to teach class at the end of it. And Steve, um, sir, Steve Mann, head of IMDT, he was sorting out the groups. And in my group, I had a lady that compete with Hillwork to Music. There was a lovely girl that bought a husky and had a husky puppy that Steve's son was handling. So it wasn't even his puppy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was a bulldog thrown in. And then yeah. I think there was like another maybe one or two other dogs that were kind of of middle level knowledge. So I literally had like really experienced handler and dog team that did loads and loads together and a child and a puppy in the same. And I can remember <laughs> thinking, are you taking the piss? No, so many classes end up like that. And then part of me was yeah. like, actually, do you know what? He wouldn't have done this if he didn't think I could cope with it. So that's, that's like it. a huge compliment for me as a trainer. But it again, is. I think because I had that background of, I refer to it as teaching children how not to die on horses. Yes. That's yep. what pony riding is. You're just teaching children how not to die. Yes. That was a really good background for me mm. because we also used to have some adult classes as well. So as much as we were teaching like little tiny kids, we were also teaching adults. And it's hard sometimes, isn't it? Like transferring the skills from little people to to big people. Yes. Yeah, it can be. And yet sometimes we forget that because we understand dog training, it doesn't mean the people that we're teaching understand it. 
And so sometimes actually going back and looking at it as if they are from the very basics and they know nothing Mm -hmm. can be the best thing we can do for all our clients. So even some of my more advanced canine hoopers students, every now and again, I take them back and we do foundations again to make sure they've got that great hoop value, the great value for going around barrels, fantastic recall, and to make sure that they're understanding exactly the mechanics of what they're doing so that they can do fantastic distance handling in the future. Oh, I always, you know, you can't do the sexy stuff without good foundations. It's that's it. Just a thing. Like that's right. just you have to do the good foundations. I think as well, sometimes I find when I'm teaching adults, I'm trying to be mindful that I'm not patronizing. Like that's yep. one of the things I have as an instructor. I'm like, oh, I hope they don't think I'm being patronizing or like being all like, oh, I know more than you, but I kind of mm. do. Yeah, but then there's the other side where you will have some people who all their life they've been told that they should listen more and they should pay attention. And so if you take it right back to the back to the really easy way of teaching it, that mm. means those people can succeed in your class and then you can extend any that need to be extended. Yeah. 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 I think as well with kind of teaching – I feel like teaching kids, you feel like you can break it down more. Yes. yes. I don't know why. Like, why is that even a thing? Like, teaching adults, you can break it down as much as you need to because you're the instructor and you do know better. Yeah. But it seems like in my brain, it's much easier to, like, break it down and do little bite size with kids than it is people when actually, like, the adults often need need it just as much. That's right. Yeah. Why does my brain get so muddled? That's my <laughs> preconceptions, you see. Yeah, that's me that's being it, like, oh, it. I don't want the adults getting bored or thinking like we're not doing enough, but actually yeah. they need that. Wow, I feel like I've just had a little epiphany in my brain. <laughs> little- and, and sometimes it's good to ask them and say, okay, is the way that I'm discussing this working for the way your brain works? And you might have a nicer way of putting it than that, but look most of my clients know I have ADHD and so they just accept that this is who I am yeah and um so they're used to me saying random stuff about how my brain works and doesn't match how theirs works yeah because everybody has different styles and the thing is as well everyone a different learn like have different learning styles and stuff and there's no there's no one given recipe and I think again going back to kind of being at school because everyone's expected to learn exactly the same way that's right like funnily enough I did much better in practical classes than I did in theory classes there's a shocker like (laughs) who knew and maths really hurt my brain and I'm still not good with numbers because my brain just goes no thanks like then they added letters with the numbers and my brain just went no (laughs) (laughs) what is this stupidity that you are doing now whereas I know other people you start talking numbers and they're like boom yep I've got this straight away that's it I yes if I talk numbers to my son he understands straight away uh and my daughter it's more about actually getting out and doing it he loves his maths and science she loves her dancing um both intelligent kids they just have a different style 
I'm just trying to think. There's a saying, isn't there, that you don't change, you don't blame the flower for not growing, you change the environment so it can grow. That makes Along sense, those yeah. lines, I've just completely yeah. switched that saying. But it is, it is that, isn't it? It's making sure that you're setting up the environment for your learners as a trainer. And I mean, now it is my preference that I teach one-to-one. Like, you know, yeah. I'll do like small groups, but even then it's still kind of on a one-to-one basis, like especially in Hoopers, because when we're doing sequences or we're doing like full courses, you can't yeah. have more than one dog running at a time. So although there are a group of people, yes, you're still kind of getting that one-on-one time to coach that team specifically. Whereas yeah. I think now like going back to a group class and explaining an exercise to everybody and then explaining yes. Do it. that's really hard now it is it is and it's interesting you should say that because for our kids and canines recently we've had a few children who are on the autism spectrum and absolutely fabulous kids fabulous trainers what we found is for some of them not all of them some of them they actually appreciate us giving them the instructions in very um succinct bites of um information Mm -hmm. but we also take a whiteboard and we write down their tasks on the whiteboard and what it does it means that they've got an idea of what they're going to learn so they've almost got a file that they can put that information into so that they can keep it where they need it to be able to actually remember it and use that information yeah so um so that's very interesting we just tried it recently and it's working really well for some of our kids and that makes sense because it's adding another kind of visual cue right. freedom of yep. look, it's here. Remember, we're doing this thing because if if they have a minute where their brain goes, right, we're doing. Th- am I doing this right? Because yes. I think that's the other thing, isn't it? Kind of a lot of kids at school, and I'm not teacher bashing at all because I think what teachers do is an amazing job, and I could not have. 30 40 children running around me like I can't think of anything worse um I was actually a little little fun side story popped into the baker's the other day to grab some lunch and the lady said oh you've missed the kids and I was like oh good ha 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 like joking literally (laughs) I felt something kind of brush on my leg and I just thought oh someone's walked a bit close I turned around and basically like the local infant school I think like little school had obviously yeah. come to the bakery to see how they make bread. And oh, I turned yes. around and there was like 20 children and I was pinned <laughs> against the counter and there was just this sea of children. And I was like, and I kind of made a joke, but I was like, oh no, how am I going to get out now? I was like, I'm going to have to wiggle and I'm going to have to wiggle free. And I kind of made a joke, about it. but part of me was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, if I turn around and they've been like, I know, like, I'm talking to you and you're in Australia, so I'm going to say, if I turn around, there'd been, like, 20 quackers there. I would have been like, oh, my God, how cute are they? (laughs) Because it was, like, 20 children, I was literally like, I'm not sure how to cope with... I'm just going to make it a fun thing and turn and channel my best inner TV presenter. I think having pink hair may have helped me slightly as well. Because there was just a lot of children looking at me very open-mouthed and in awe of there's a lady with pink hair. What the hell's going 
<laughs> I bet they loved it. And I kind of wriggled out of the bakers and then I got out and there was a load of parents stood outside and I was like, and that was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Like, and I feel like for the first time I felt how some dogs must feel when they're suddenly like flooded in a situation. Yes. Yeah. That's right. When you take them to a, a big big event with lots and lots of people and they're like, oh, there's all these people towering over me. And um, I mean, to be yeah. fair, after COVID, I'm a bit like that big events. So I'm like, whoa, there's all these people and stuff. That's right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I digressed off my little story of the, the small people. But when you're teaching, like as a learner, it can be really difficult for the teachers kind of to have to adapt that learning style to all the learners in the group. That's when correct. we're dog training, we have that luxury. And I think we need to tap into it more as trainers, don't we? I think so. Yeah. Look, I used to do boxing and uh, not hitting people boxing, but boxing for exercise. And I mean, if you need to hit people in the face, you're wearing gloves. <laughs> I don't see a problem with it. As long as they're consenting to being hit in the face. Like. Yeah, that's it. So I used to, I'd go down and I'd feel like the class clown because I would be trying so hard to remember what my teacher had told me was the current pattern and I just couldn't couldn't keep it in my head no matter what I did. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think about it and then I, you know, go to classes and I see the same look on some of my students' faces and it's a big wake-up call because it's it's like, oh, no, I don't want them having that feeling. I want them to leave here feeling uplifted and, you know, ready for life. And so it made me really examine how I teach so that I can make sure that that their needs are being met. So for me, it's a working memory thing. Um, I have ADHD, so my working memory is not fantastic, even though I'm intelligent enough to, you know, go to uni and stuff. Mm-hmm. But having the visual stimulus of when my teacher writes things out on a board and I can do I can do the boxing, no problems. But without that, I just lose it. So really interesting to examine our own life skills and our own learning situations that we go into that are not dog training to better learn how to be fantastic dog trainers because we're not just training the dogs, we're training the people who are training the dogs. Mm -hmm. And if we can't meet their needs, we're never going to meet the needs of the dog because it's not going to filter through. Yeah. I think as well um, as trainers, it is always good to – learn a different Mm. skill and learn something different so this year my little challenge to myself I'm relearning Spanish oh interesting like so I did it at school did it for like GCSE not very well um but the thing that's been most interesting to me is I'm just using that um do duolingo app thing oh yes yes on my phone like it it can be free. I signed up to the one where you get the extra stuff because I can't be bothered to wait and collect gems to do things. I'm like, <laughs> no, just give me all yes. the gems and let me do the stuff. Um, but for me, what was really interesting is the first kind of unit was the beginner one. And they ask you at the start, have you done Spanish before? And yeah. my brain was like, yes, I have. And then I was like, about 25 years ago. <laughs> It's amazing how the time disappears. So maybe you should have answered no to that question. Yeah. But I'd already committed by that point. So I was like, right, we're in this. Let's do this. 
And the first bit was quite easy. And I've remembered how to change some of the words depending on what tense they're being used in and stuff. Yes. But then one of the sections was on school. And it was okay. like learning words like school and student and teacher and professor. And my brain just went, I can't remember this. So I have no idea yeah. what we're doing. And I found that unit really frustrating to be honest I was like this is making me annoyed and it's good Mm -hmm. because it sends me little reminders and it's like every day you have to do your Spanish so I'm on I want to say today's going to be day 49 in a row so I'm being oh wow nice that's it yep that's good trying to be consistent and some days I literally will just do one three minute lesson like that's what my brain has time for but then other days if I've got like a day off of training like the other day I spent 45 minutes doing my little Spanish lessons, which was cool. There's other bits that they're like, oh, this is a new word. And I'm like, I know what that is. And my brain's like, I found that folder. I remember this. I remember my days of the week. Yay. Yeah. And my counting. And I think it's because at school, those were the bits that maybe we had songs that went with them and my brain has remembered them. Like, how can I remember a theme tune from a program I watched when I was seven? perfectly but as you say if you said right I want you to do like do this sum I'd be like "Mm -hmm." yeah I do not know how this works with you talking about patterns for me I'm one of those people I can go and look at Hooper's course and go okay that's where I'm going yeah yeah I very I'm very fortunate that I I've only had it once where I've got lost and it's because I'd walked three courses and my yes. brain went, whoa, hang on a minute, which file are we meant to be looking at? Because you've got too many tabs open and stop. Yeah. But if I've walked one course or two, I think I was judging that day as well. So I had my judging courses were also there yeah. in my brain somewhere. So there was another tab open with that going on. And I see people when they're course walking, they really find it hard to get those patterns in their brain yeah yeah I used to have a lot of trouble till someone told me a trick to it so what is your trick what's your top trick for when you're course walking so top, well if if I can make a picture it's easy yep so if I can go hey this looks like a house I, I, no worries but otherwise I break it into chunks so mm-hmm. if I've got a course that's got 15 um obstacles in it yep. and I need to remember it. I might actually go, okay, well, the first three hoops are in a straight line. Okay, I'm going to remember that as one thing. Yes. And then I will just remember where it changes. So yes. I will remember either as shapes or as changes. And then I might only have to remember three or four things. I might have to remember five. That's a lot easier for me than 15. And that's I. that's what I actually have been teaching my students recently as they try to get ready for the trials in, in Western Australia is mm. how to look at a course and find ways of remembering it. Yes. Yeah. I'm interested how you remember yours. So you, very similar in how my brain remembers it. Like also the other thing I do is, so I walk the course to get the pattern. Yes. Then I walk the course on the dog's line to work out yes. where there's any trappy bits and where I'm going to have to call. And then I actually go, right, how am I going to handle this? 
Yep. So I need to use this arm and I need to push here and yep. I need to pull here. And then <laughs> two of my cues have been labeled. One is the teapot. Okay. For some reason, when I need Dodge to come in tight and it's on a circle, I kind yes. of do this little bow thing that my hand drops, but my arm goes in a right angle at the elbow and comes behind me. So you remember when you sing the <laughs> teapot song as a kid? Yes. Yeah. But one of my friends pointed this out to me at a competition one day and was like, look, I've got it on video. And I was like, oh, my God, I actually. So now it's called the teapot. That is awesome. And anyone else that handles my dog now gets told you have to do teapot, teapot. <laughs> and then the cue for Dodge to turn away from me is a closed fist, but you shake it. So it's now been affectionately wow. known as the wanky hand. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> So when I walk in the course, I'll be like, right, so I need to push, push, whistle, teapot, teapot, push, wanky hand, push. And that's how I remember. That's it. If that's what works for your brain, that's awesome. But obviously when I'm course walking, it's caused lots of giggles because when you're course walking, potentially there's another yep. 30, 40 people course walking with you. And I'm in yes. the middle going teapot. So now people are like, Carrie, is there a wanky hand in this one? It's like become a little <laughs> joke. Oh, I love it. <laughs> people I teach, I'm like, right, we're going to do the wanky hand. And they're like, why does this work? And I'm like, because it does. <laughs> Because it's unique and it's funny and it's a little bit rude. And so it tends to stay in your brain, doesn't it? But if you say yeah. it and there are like little ears around, you're not worrying too much because you know they've heard firmware in the playground <laughs> at some point. So it's yeah. fine. But yeah, so yeah, that's that's one of the other ways I remember it is I go in and I'm like, right, so I need to stand here. Yes. How am I going to handle it? And that's yeah. how I remember it, of the way my body needs to move. And I don't know if it's because maybe I used to dance and I think about what steps yeah. I'm doing. And yeah. then because I have the best, best good boy that listens to me 90% of the time, I'm going <laughs> with 90%. I feel that's a, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's a good number. We'll go with 90. It gives me room for error. As long as I do the right thing with my body, he will get yes. around the course. I mean, there are That's times right. where if I'm a little bit late yep. or a little bit early, yes. it can affect it. And I see there's a lot of people that have the super, super fast dogs. Their oh, yes. timing has to be so precise. Yes, impeccable, yeah. And I'm like, but it's the difference between driving a car on a road where you're sat now yep. telling you and you're doing, I don't know, 20 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. on a racetrack in a sport car yeah yeah very different that, yes yeah that's but it yes. and 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 some that's of those dogs yes. will pick up on it too like my Aki if I start running him and I make an error he knows and he will stop and bark at me in the middle of the course to say what are you stopping for get on with it <laughs> there, there are quite a few and one of the other things that sometimes it's difficult it's the dogs that love the sound of their own voice as they're going around the court oh, yeah you're like can you just quit barking and look at your handler for one minute please because <laughs> you and sometimes the dogs are missing the cues because they're so busy having a lovely time running around yeah. <laughs> like that's it <laughs> i'm blaming it on the german dogs for that because it's always the german dogs i teach okay interesting shepherds that's and schnauzers poodles <laughs> 
All yep. German, all do the barking. Okay. I haven't got any of them at the moment that are barking, but that's that's a very interesting, interesting. I'll have to have a look. So I think the postman's about to arrive. So I'm just like, are they about to bark or are they? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh. false alarm it wasn't the postman it was the husband that caused <laughs> more of a kerfuffle than oh yeah we're planning on so yeah I find for me with the with the course walking and stuff it's getting what I need to do in it but again yeah. like you're saying with the shapes and splitting that course into the section so if you think like one of the easiest is like you just go around the outside. That's right. That yep. could potentially be like eight obstacles. That's right. It's like do the loop. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like we had a course um the other week and um one of my clients was there and she was like, Carrie, I can't get this in my head. And I was like, triangle, round, yep. triangle, stop. Yeah. So you have a triangle at the start and a triangle at the finish, and then that's it. The rest is fine. Like, it's cool. Yeah, fantastic. How do you find, um, like, with the kids, are they doing full courses yet? Or, like, do yeah, they some of them. sequences? With the kids that are doing full courses, how do you kind of get them with remembering the course? Same thing, or? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, it, Obviously, I mean, no what, wanky what hands when them. you're teaching no. children. <laughs> No, <laughs> don't um, teach no, your children just, that. Just um, chunks, <laughs> not naughty words. Uh, yeah, no, just um, putting it into chunks for them and seeing what they remember. Um, my daughter got to run a course last year and she did that really well. She loves telling everyone how she did better than I did. I was um, going to say, didn't she beat you? Just saying. She did. She's six and she beat me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> To be fair, her legs are younger. We'll give she had she had youth as an advantage. That's right. Um, but yeah, she does the same thing where she chunks things. So she's um, and she's a dancer. So you know, if we start talking about this in dancing moves, um, she will often remember that because it's something that makes sense to her. She's yes. like, oh yeah, I know those dance moves. Yeah, that's easy. Um, where my son, it would be all about the math side of it. So, okay, you're going to do five of these and then you're going to do a right angle turn and that will work for his brain. Yeah. yeah that's that's yeah. really interesting. It's interesting how you how you change it up for both for both the learners because, what, yes, using numbers and angles, if they've got a mathematical-based brain, makes perfect sense. Whereas, obviously, right. using shapes and the way body position is going to work for someone that does dance makes yeah 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 that yeah, yeah. and I mean that's for my kids for um a lot of the other kids yeah it's just putting it into chunks and language that works for them yeah so Michelle I think this is the perfect segue to do the very very big announcement that we are so yeah a bit of a reveal so i (laughs) am going to be coming back to wa to do four days four days teaching i'm so excited by this so 
like you and um Colleen have been organizing this um behind the scenes yeah. for me I feel like I'm just rocking up to teach like it's great honestly I appreciate both of yes. you so much <laughs> I'm like oh I just have to book a flight and turn up and do the talking thing well that's it so I mean I've over the last what it was 2019 you came out wasn't it yeah it was it but does this- it was before COVID happened it was before that's the great choir and the world closed and yeah I introduced so- this sport and then kind of disappeared <laughs> You did, you did. And and in that time, it's been really interesting because we've had COVID, we've had to find new ways to make our businesses profitable and to be able to serve our clients well. And I've managed to uh, get canine hoopers and incorporate it into my business and it's getting better results for me in my business, but it's also getting better results for my clients because they have more that they can do with me. and. The canine hoopers teaches so many skills that can be used outside of canine hoopers to improve the life of the dogs, the owners, the general obedience of the dogs, and mm-hmm. and just overall the happiness of everyone involved. Yeah. And so it's really exciting to be able to use that canine hoopers to improve my business and then also to be able to work with yourself and Colleen to be able to maybe share how that can happen for other people. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you're coming out not just to teach four days of canine hoopers, but as part of a program that's going to improve the businesses of so many of our, our canine hoopers trainers. So I'm, I'm uh, looking forward is- to it. This is what's so exciting for me because this is a whole new concept. It's a whole new yeah. way of doing it because it is up until now it's been like, well, we do like the instructor course, which is the level one course, and then you yeah. can do the level two course. And obviously it's all online, which is how it's been so accessible through COVID yeah. and everything else. But it's been like the last year I've been back to kind of teaching in person and I yes. hadn't realised how much I missed it. Like how much I missed kind of being there. I think the, for me, the only thing that's going to be tricky with coming to Australia is that I've now got used to teaching it with having my own dogs with me and I'm not going to have my, I'm not going to have my emotional support creature with me. No, that's it. We'll have to loan you a loan you a beagle. I'll have to like, yeah, I'll have to borrow a beagle or something. Um, <laughs> just don't tell Dodge. He'll be like, "Whoa, hang on a minute. Why have I been replaced by a beagle? That's not a thing." That's it. <laughs> but for yeah. me, it's so. The plan is that we are going to do the first day is going to be the level one, and for people that haven't done it, for trains that haven't done it, you can come on. But also trainers that were there back in. 2019 like guys you're welcome come use it as a refresher come and see because also also it's developed and changed as a sport I mean one of the main things that's changing now is the style of hoop we're using because um we're we're really trying to promote those baseless hoops more and I do know dogs that have been injured by base hoops and I'm not saying that they're unsafe but I feel that baseless hoops are safer um we're kind of going to look at a little bit with some of the environmental stuff that kind of has an impact with hoopers as well. So looking at yeah. kind of what's going to be the best resources to be using That's and right. stuff like that. Um, so it's going to start first day is the level one, the intro to hoopers instruction, yeah. which gets everyone started. And that's the course that 
I actually, the second ever one was taught in Perth, WA. That's right. We were, we were one of your test ones. You and look how fabulous were. that worked out. Yeah. I mean, I did like, I did one in the UK for some training friends and that was kind of like the, the first one. But then the first proper official one was the one yeah. in Australia. Yeah, that's it. And so we're looking to take that and build on it so that we can get hoopers in Australia and make it accessible to all those pet owners that want to come out and be taught by someone who's actually qualified to teach it. Yeah. So not someone who's gone, oh, canine hoopers sounds great. I've watched a YouTube video. I know everything. But someone who's come along and they've learned how to teach safely, how to meet the needs of their clients, how to meet the needs of their, their dogs. <clears throat> Excuse me. And not just that, you're also going to be teaching a, a few levels for us, aren't you? We've yes, got level I, one, level two. Yes, so the level two is then the two-day course. And yeah. depending on numbers, I might actually end up teaching for six days rather than four. There is that possibility. We will <laughs> there see. There is a possibility. See what happens, yeah. So if enough of the trainers that do the level one want to do the level two, because obviously level two is a little bit more limited on numbers because right. there's a lot more practical elements to it. We go over course design, looking at lines, looking at exercises, developing the teamwork, developing your knowledge and skills. It's it's one of those that I I don't want to have too many people. I don't want it to be one of those courses yeah. where people feel like we've just tried to get bums on seats and just fill it up. I want yeah. to make sure that everyone is getting the best value from it and everyone has equal learning opportunities so if the first level two sells out then we will put a second level two on we will we will look after people that are interested yeah and then yeah the friday is going to be an exclusive course yes that i'm writing specially special special specials for you guys um over in australia which it's not yeah. going to be an online course. It's literally, yeah. it will be in person. It's being written for this program. And it's kind of one of those that ideally I would like everyone to have done one and two in the instructor courses, but you definitely need to have done the level one. And it's going to be looking yeah. at competitions and judging. And it's going to be a little bit more of like a judge's training program because That's obviously right. as the activity develops, the sports mm-hmm. side going to develop and people are going to want to compete um that's it we're going to be looking at the competition side and different ways to run competitions as well because in the uk we have several different organizations the rule books very slightly the scoring very slightly and i want to make sure that i'm kind of setting you guys up over there that we can get a competition started whether you want to do it as a little bit more relaxed than a fun thing or whether we do it timed and mm-hmm. we're going to be looking at all those different elements in that. In that, that's last it. And it's good well. to have the information because if we have all the information on on what's worked and what hasn't, then we can have a fantastic competition from the get go instead of having to have all the teething problems that we might otherwise have. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're not just coming along to sit down and listen. They're going to be getting hands on experience. They're going to be uh having getting set up so that once they leave this event Mm -hmm. they are ready all our people are ready to actually implement these classes so this is a really cool opportunity because 
you're not just looking at, oh, let's come down and do level one and get an idea of how to do it. We're looking at how to have something that's made for you, ready to go into your business. Yeah, and one of the things, I mean, anyone that does um, the Hooper's World Instructor course, um, be it online or in person, you do get eight weeks of lesson plans with that because straight away, one of the things that used to frustrate me is that I'd go on these amazing instructor courses and then kind of be let into the wild. Yes, yes. And, you know, as we've both said um before when we've been talking you know you might not always stick to that lesson plan regimented it might not be that you yep. do every single bit but it's nice to have an outline the guide to know what your goals are for that that's lesson it. you still so need somewhere to start the thing that's yep. going to be different with um is is i guess it's like a little mini conference in a way isn't it because people it can is. sign yeah. up to do all four days they can have a full geek out um and the dogs are going to have plenty of time to rest as well. There's going to be That's plenty right. of downtime for the dogs. I can't guarantee as much downtime for the people, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> we will but, look after them, yes. Yeah, we'll make sure that everyone is hydrated. Everyone's brains will be hydrated <laughs> and it'll be fine. But I'm excited to see as well the teams developing over those four days. Yeah. Also, yeah. the the trainer skills your skills as an instructor but also your skills as a handler like yep. that's the thing that really like it gives yep. me lots of sparkle like it it makes me happy is that's watching it. that teamwork develop and watching the humans develop and just expand and watching the different ideas and getting ideas from them as well because you know every every judge has little signature bits that they put in courses yeah. like there's a little sequence that I do with four hoops that I put in I would say probably about 80% of my courses because it's yeah. just a nice line that runs for the dogs but it's one of those lines that when handlers walk it they go oh yeah yeah oh, I'm not sure about that Mm. but the dog runs it and goes well this makes perfect sense to me what's your problem yeah. human yeah that's it so it's going to be going over little things like that and also little tricks that I've learned when I'm judging of how to kind of do things because sometimes you have someone helping you judge like you can yeah. kind of say to them, oh that was five faults that was this but sometimes like you're on your own especially if mm -hmm. you're putting on like a club show where like you are the responsible adult we're going to be talking about how to develop that skill as well. Yeah. There is sure. a little bit of irony in me teaching people how to be a responsible adult, but, you know, <laughs> I do have two responsible adults looking after me at the time, so it's fine. <laughs> no, no. Because <laughs> you do realise that you and Clean are my responsible adults for this period. That's it. We've got that sorted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what part of it are you looking forward to the most? I think getting together with other instructors who are there, they're interested and building that network because I love mentoring other people and mm -hmm. I've had a few people come through for, for mentoring um, through my business and watching them develop is just amazing. When you see them go from unsure to really confident and bringing out just quality, quality courses and quality instruction it's so yeah. rewarding so yeah. I think that networking opportunity is um is really really important it's and it's integral to you being able to succeed as well because mm -hmm. none of us work in isolation 
and we can all find ways to help each other out. We're not necessarily in competition. There's so many people out there that could learn hoopers, but if we work together, we're all going to succeed. Yes. Yes. yes exactly that. You know, the more the more ripples we create, the more we're yeah. going to make a wave. And if people, I think this is something that's changing in the training world is that we are starting to understand that collaboration does really, really help. That's right. And networking yeah. is great. And sometimes it can just be as simple as maybe you've got a breed of dog in class that you haven't really worked with so much. Maybe yeah. like, you know, you're used to a houndy breeds. Yeah. And obviously being around agility and stuff you're used to the hurdy breeds but maybe that all of a sudden someone throws in a curveball and you've got I don't know a utility or a bulldog comes in and you're like whoa okay so now there's a bull breed how do we deal with this but another instructor might be really well versed in bull breeds and can go oh well you just need to mind these things and it's just helping each other out isn't it that's it and that happened exactly that to me yesterday I mentor others but I also make sure I have a business coach and I have people that I can go to for mentoring on the dog training side. And I did, I said to them, Hey, I've got this dog coming in. It's a breed I haven't dealt with before. What's some tips of things that I need to look out for. And my mentor was able to give me some really great ideas. That's going to mean that when that dog comes down, yes, I can deal with dogs as a whole, but I've also got some specific breed specific things that I can look out for. They yep. may be there, they may not, but being pre-warned means I can set everybody up to succeed. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, as much as every dog is an individual, yeah, especially when you have like pure or like mixed breeds that are two breeds put together, you know yes. there are going to be genetic markers in there that say to this dog, this is going to be really reinforcing for you or you're not going to care less about this. So we need to be able to work with that. And if we have an idea of where the dog's likely to be coming from genetically, we can then help with working those teams together. The other thing that I'm really excited about is I'm going to be putting my judging hat on as well. Yes, we're going to have a little event. Uh, Yeah. And obviously those who are attending the courses get first dibs. Because places will be limited. So yeah, because I'm not judging 300 dogs in a night. Like that's not no. a thing. <laughs> no. Uh yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of new faces and a lot of people who've who've been around since you first yeah. came out. It's, yes. It's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yes. I'm really excited. And we're gonna there's gonna be some little social things going on in the evening. Like we're gonna yeah. sort out some of the things. But the other thing, I think, as well as adding the little competition, so you, you'll you have an international judge coming in. It also means that I will then officially be an international judge, which is very exciting. Yeah. That's um, very British then, didn't I? It's very exciting. <laughs> um, is the business element side of it that's going to be brought into this course because this is something that is completely new to Hooper's world as well because as much as I've always given as much support as I can with lesson plans and stuff we've now got fabulous Colleen coming in that is also going to be kind of helping people set this up so the idea is is that if you come on the course and you come and do the four days you're going to be able to go out advertise and teach Hoopers and make money that's it hit the ground running yeah And that's what we want. We want you to be able to come in and even though you're paying to come and do a course, that's, that's going to pay back so much more 
yeah. in a short amount of time because you've got everything you need to set yourself up to succeed um, from the word go. Yeah. Yeah. And so. less of the trial and error. We've already done the trial and error. We've got all the strategies and um, and we've we've tested them so we can give you the proven strategies. And yes. and look, Colleen's the one who who um, is going to talk to us about the the intricacies of the business side of it. Um, but yeah, what a great opportunity! Like if if I'd had that way back in two thousand nineteen, it's interesting to think where I could be now yes. with how I know how to do things now. Yeah. yeah. And, and it really is, I think, for dog trainers, especially now, you you need to be able to do marketing, otherwise you don't yeah. have a business. And majority, yeah. the large majority of dog trainers do not do marketing. You know, I've, I've worked in sales and promotion, so I'm very confident to talk to people and I'm happy with that yeah. side of it. But when it comes to, you know, even things like Facebook posts and like social media, yes. I mean, yeah. It hurts my brain. That's it. And a, and a lot of people almost hide under a rock because they're not sure what to do and so they do nothing. And so we're trying to set it up so that a lot of the stuff is done for you. Yeah. And and make it easy. Yeah. Which is just going to be so exciting. So shall we release the date? Should we let them know when all of this excitingness is happening? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So uh, October the 17th. Let me check my calendar. I believe that is correct. I'm trying to look at mine from across the room and I'm like, yeah, October 17th. October 17th is the go day. That's when everything starts. And um, we will have a link in the show notes, won't we, to get more information? Yes. And, yeah, we're looking for people who – we're actually looking for people who are serious about – getting into canine hoopers and doing it properly mm-hmm. but also serious about taking their business to the next level yes yeah and that's what i think is going to be different with this kind of we need we need to have a, like a proper name for it this is the only thing i feel we've let ourselves down on right now with marketing <laughs> is we don't have a full official name but it is basically like a canine hoopers world conference because that's it it's not just me speaking for a change, which is always nice. I mean, as much as everyone loves my dulcet tones, I mean, they're <laughs> listening to my podcast for goodness sake, but just having that support of you and Colleen that are going to be helping me with stuff. And I'm just, honestly, I'm so excited, but I'm, I'm really excited to kind of be introducing people to the sport, developing yes. it on, over the next two days so the 18th and 19th we're going to be developing it on and then the so it'd be the 20th is going to be the day where I'm kind of hopefully going to train up some new judges and also I get to put my judging hat on because y'all will be able to see how I judge how we would do it and the sort of courses that I put out but you're going to yep. get an idea of the courses and stuff. And also one of the other things we're going to be covering that I think is one of the skills that's hardest is how to put courses and sequences out because what yep. you put on paper and what ends up in the wild can sometimes be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the benefit to the people that come along is that it makes their life easier. Yes. So not knowing how to do that means you've got that anxiety going to a trial where you're going to judge where you're just not quite sure how it goes. You get there, things don't work and you get all flustered where if you gone down and you've learned the skills Mm -hmm. then you've got that benefit of you get there and you're confident and things might not go your way but you can roll with that you can adjust it and you have a successful night so I think coming along and learning from you is going to result in a confident successful night for our um our instructors whenever they uh, from for our judges and our instructors whenever they instruct or judge Yeah. yeah exactly that so yeah, guys, it's it's official. The cat is out of the bag and I am coming back to WA um, October 2023, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th. I Lovely. am there. Um, which venue is it? Uh, we've booked Dogs West. So lovely, flat, green grass. Um, yeah, lovely venue. It's it's a really yeah. cool venue. It's where I taught the original instructor course when I came out in 2019. It is a lovely, yeah. lovely venue. And um, I am aware that it's going to be like the start of your summer because we'll be going into autumn. So you'll yes. be going in summer just because it messes with my brain how the seasons are the wrong way around. But we're going to make sure that the dogs are catered for, that there is safe downtime spaces for the dogs, yeah. you know, also, um, with the trial, um, it's going to be later, isn't it? It's not going to yeah, be like be a day yeah. blazing sun. So it's going to be a bit of a bit of an evening soiree. That's it. It should be a really awesome night for everyone. Yeah. Honestly, I'm I'm so excited. I'm like, I just I can't wait to get on the plane, get out there, get teaching, and get judging. I'm literally buzzing. So, guys, if you are thinking hmm I want to do it or maybe you've already done the online course and you're thinking actually this would be a really good way to develop my skills and to push the Hoopers business more like come we want to see you that's it and you don't have to be from WA you can be from over east you can be from New Zealand you can be from wherever you want to be from I mean hello I'm fine from the UK I'm literally going to be sat on a plane for 18 hours I really hope the movies are good (laughs) <laughs> and there uh-huh. better be Tim Tams otherwise I'm going to be very upset <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome so Michelle if people want to book that because that's not going to be booked through the Canine Hoopers World website this is being booked through you guys so how that's can people it. find out more about this magical event I'm so excited yes. So we, um, we'll be taking expressions of interest and we'll have a link up in your show notes so that people can contact us for that and we can answer all their questions to make sure that it's actually the right fit for those that want to come along mm-hmm. and that they're going to get the best benefit possible out of it. Because yeah, so numbers are going to be limited, guys. It's numbers not going to be like an in-person conference where we have two, 300 seats. Like that is not the case. We no. are going to have to cap things because I want to make sure I'm teaching to my best ability and that everyone has an opportunity to work their dogs and to learn That's and right. to have a practical experience as well as a theory side of it. That's right. And we want to make sure that we're meeting the needs of everyone that's coming along. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have a chat with you first and make sure that what we're providing is exactly what is needed. 
Yeah, I yeah. love that. It's I think it's just it's a really different way of doing a course like this. And I'm so excited to see yeah. how it goes and where it takes us, because I think that it's going to be an awfully big adventure. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. I'm so looking forward to it. Yes, I am. I'm literally like trying not to squeal down the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I'm saving your earbuds from my squeal. Just hear that internal squeal right now. That was it. That was it. That was my internal squeal right there. <laughs> so, guys, um, as always, you can find me on the socials. Um, you can follow Dodge and Minx on the Instagrams at Dodge Shepherd at Minx Chihuahua. Um, until next time, stay safe, be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock, and don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you a real quick favor. If you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, it's going to help other people find me and listen to what I'm doing here at Canine Hoopers World. We're now on all the socials. So we have the Instagram, we have the Facebook, and we are officially on the TikTok at Canine Hoopers World. And remember to check out our website, www.k9peoplesworld.com, where you can find out information on in-person courses, online courses. And if you're doing hoopers with your dog, you can also join in with our online achievement awards. These are open to any person, any dog, anywhere in the world to come and test your skills and get yourself a cool ribbon.